0: pray amen two weeks ago we gathered in a park and we uh, looked at a picture of a corn stalk growing on the side of a road in some gravel it became for me an image of how we in gravelly situations maybe on the side of the road in the rocky ground that we can grow much like that corn stalk Just so happens that following that service, I was uh, down at the funeral home and I saw a flower growing between the pavement and the bricks. And we looked last week at how that flower grew between the pavement and the bricks and how we can grow in Jesus, abide in Jesus between the pavement and the bricks. So this week I went looking for another image that's on the front of your bulletin. I didn't have to go far. I went out these back doors to our rear parking lot, and there behind the barbershop facing Garden Street was a gutter with a maple tree growing in the gutter. Anybody have maple trees growing in your gutters? (laughs) Sometimes we can find ourselves in the midst of the gutter, the muck and the mire of the gutter. Someone told me between services that we are born in the gutter, in the midst of the muck and the mire, born into sin. Sometimes life, we find ourselves on the mountaintop experiences. Other time, we find ourselves in the midst of the valley, the gutter. I think that we can define our life today in society in a gutter life, health concerns, financial strains, pressures of work, family balance, emotional stress of losing a loved one, lives wrecked with fear, anxiety, and depression, effects of COVID pandemic. The second one, maybe, or are we still in the first one? Is the third one coming? I don't know. Worry and fear around our children and grandchildren's education. Does anybody else have worries and fears about the education of our children in, in, in Murray County? Yes. Spent some time Wednesday with some of our youth on Wednesday nights and uh, over, uh, over the meal and also uh, uh, with the youth as they were studying Mark and listening to some of their stories of three fights in one day at the high school. Some students pulling together their money and, and, and who, uh, $900 these students pulled together. And the one that pulled the fire alarm got the $900. I'm worried about the education of our children and our grandchildren in Murray County. There's job insecurities and job responsibilities increasing. Our frontline workers are tired and exhausted. It seems that we are finding ourselves in the gutter. How do we abide in, the, abide in Jesus in the gutter? Hardships and pain, weakness and loss. We know that when we're in the gutter, the victor is with us. That would have been a good place for y'all to say amen. amen, amen, that in the gutter, Jesus is with us. Jesus knows the hardships and pain and weakness. He knows loss and grief. As an adult, he really had no home. Last week, we saw that Jesus really knew hunger. Jesus knew isolation and grief. Jesus stepped into the gutter while people were in the gutter. In the temple, he saw that the temple was being used not as a temple and a house of prayer, but as a house of trade. Jesus saw broken relationships when he encountered the Samaritan woman at the well. He saw the health concerns as he encountered time after time after time people being brought to him at the point of death and sickness. Jesus saw their health concerns. He knew what life is like when you have health concerns, and that puts you in the gutter. Jesus knew the stress of providing for your family when he encountered 5,000, and he provided a meal for them. Jesus walked on water through the storms of life to meet us in the place of a gutter. Jesus was able to manage life in the gutter. His central focus was his relationship with the Heavenly Father. And Jesus came to fulfill and do the Father's will. The truth of the matter is many of us are finding ourselves living in the gutter and we're trying to be faithful disciples on our own. You can't do it on your own. We need help from the Holy Spirit to be a faithful disciple. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't do it on your own. Look at your neighbor and say, don't you dare do it on your own. We can't be a faithful disciple of Jesus and expect to abide in Jesus and grow whether we're on the side of the road in the rocky ground between the pavement and the bricks where we find ourselves in the gutter. We can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit. It was Thursday of the week that we call holy. Jesus was celebrating Passover with his disciples. He knew They didn't know the events that would happen after this meal. He knew that his hour to come to depart out of this world was coming close. He washes their feet. He calls out the betrayer. He gives a new commandment. He foretells Peter's denial and he says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And at that Passover dinner, at the table, we get our scripture reading of the day. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the father he will testify about me and you also must testify for you have been with me from the beginning but very truly I tell you it is good it is for your good that I am going away unless I go away the advocate will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you when he comes he will prove the world to be wrong in the wrong, about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can no longer see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And then Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but, the, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive me from what he will make known to you. You can find that in John 16. It is impossible for us to be a faithful disciple of Jesus without the gift that jesus sends the holy spirit what you and i need is not another cup of coffee or five hour energy not even a v8 or a monster energy drink or a red bull you and i need the holy spirit the very presence and power of the holy spirit to those who are saved, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you just as God raised Jesus from the dead. He will give life to your mortal bodies also by the same Spirit living within you. Jesus gives us the advocate, the Holy Spirit to help us And to live with us and in us. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Comforter, the Advocate who teaches us about Jesus, reminds us about Jesus, testifies about Jesus, guides us to truth about Jesus, and glorifies Jesus. We cannot live as Jesus' disciples except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joyfully pursuing Jesus by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit provides strength and stamina for us to live our lives from beginning to end. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth, affirming what is good and true and holy and pure. When I'm in the gutter of life, I need the reminder of what is good and pure and true and holy. And time spent with the Holy Spirit is well, time well spent because he helps me to see what I cannot see and what I cannot observe from life in the gutter. The Holy Spirit teaches disciples what we need to know and remind us of all that Jesus has already taught us. Have you ever been in a situation, maybe it's a gutter situation, and the Holy Spirit gives you a scripture that you might have read years or months ago just for that situation? That happens. The scriptural reminder, out of the blue, that's not a coincidence. That's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, teaching and reminding. The Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, his death, his life, and his resurrection. You and I partner with the Holy Spirit when we are witnesses. And over the past month, we've invited you to write and share your testimony. This this is a work of partnership with the Holy Spirit. How's it going? Writing your testimony and sharing your testimony. Out in the annex, we have a a resource. It's the same one you've seen. It's just got a new cover on it. It says, let the redeemed say so. For you to work through, to write your testimony, to begin praying for opportunities to share Jesus with others. Do you remember reading in Acts chapter 1 over the past months, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. The Holy Spirit, our advocate, our comforter, is also our convictor. Shining light on our sin, leading us to conviction and repentance and transformation. The Holy Spirit woos us into a relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son, leads us to salvation and empowers us for a life of transformational discipleship. Are you the same today as you were three years ago in your relationship with Jesus? Are your tempers and your demeanor changing? Are you loving people you used to not love? Are you praying for your enemies? Is is the Holy Spirit working this transformation in your lives? It's the Holy Spirit in us that transforms us. Even to the place where we are free from the power of sin in our lives. You and I cannot live as a life of a faithful disciple of Jesus except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Some years ago when we were in Kentucky and I was in seminary, I had a conversation with a, I would just say, a very simple-minded individual. We were talking about church and talking about Jesus, and he said, you can't have church without the Holy Ghost. Now I would reply, maybe, but there's a lot of people who gather in church without any awareness or empowerment from the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 19, Paul arrives in Ephesus, and there he found some disciples, and he inquired, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They replied, no, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. In our creed earlier, we said, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Is that head knowledge, or is that heart knowledge? Has it made it from head to heart? And sometimes that's a a long journey, much too long journey. Is that I believe in the Holy Spirit? Is that an educated statement or a given statement that we grew up with that we just say? Or is the Holy Spirit demonstrating power and presence in your life? Do you really believe in the Holy Spirit? Are you living and producing signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit? Paul in Ephesians 5 says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. If you've heard my story of being called to the ministry, my prayer on a, on a beach in Florida that night was, Lord Jesus, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but I need to remind you that I'm hard-headed. Anybody, anybody else? I needed to hear what we heard earlier. You can't punch people in the face. I need to be reminded of that every now and then, Rush. I can't punch people in the face. How does the Holy Spirit operate and lead you in your life, guiding your life? From time to time, whether I'm riding my bike or driving to work or walking or just in simple transition, sometimes the Holy Spirit will place somebody's name in my mind. Look, I have a hard time weekly calling my parents. Not, not that I don't want to, just I get busy, I forget. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will give me a name to call somebody. And when I follow through with a call to that individual, more times than not, that person will say, I'm so glad you called, I needed that phone call today this week some weeks ago i was at home on a wednesday morning i was working on something let's just call it a preacher thing i was working on and and i needed some space between myself and the busyness of of the church office and the pools and and pools and and demands of church office i needed to get away from email amen so I stayed home to work, and I was sitting at what we call our tall table. It's now our main table uh, in our home. It's a—I think they call it bar height. It's this tall. We call it tall table. There's some four chairs around it, and and there's a chandelier or a light fixture over over that tall table. It's got five uh, bulbs in it with bulb—what do you call them? Bulb covers or whatever. I've seen that thing move three times when I hit my head on it before we moved in. <laughs> so I was working on this on this uh, preacher thing I was I was working on. I was having a hard hard time with it that Wednesday morning that I'd created that distant state at home to work and I really needed to, to focus on it. And a, a church member started texting me. And in a series of texts, I received this text from a church member receive his spirit now in the name of jesus i responded amen about a minute later that chandelier that light fixture that hasn't moved since i hit my head on the last time started moving and what i was working on it was as though it was as though a door had opened And what I was working on that was difficult became easier and clearer. Church members, thanks for praying for your pastor and your staff. Friends, the Holy Spirit is real. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and He is sent to empower you, teach you, guide you, to testify about Jesus and to glorify Jesus. There's a lot of talk in the church world among my pastor friends about church renewal. How do we bounce back from COVID? One of my clergy friends in 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 one of his services that normally ran around 70 or 80 or sometimes 100, last week they had 12. How do we bounce back from COVID? How do we increase our attendance and our membership? How do we get people to want to come back? How do we fill our churches on Sunday mornings? My mind goes back to Kentucky. You can't have church without the Holy Ghost. But I would say, yes, there's a lot who gather in church without any awareness or empowerment from the Holy Ghost. In Scripture, and church history, and around the world, people are drawn to the b- bride of Christ when signs and wonders of the Holy Spirit accompany those who believe. And maybe the methods we're accustomed to using, it, they don't explain the rapid growth of, of the Christian faith and the thirst first three centuries nor they explain why the christian church is exploding and growing outside north america paul saw jesus's church grow by the power of signs and wonders and miracles and by god's by the power of god's spirit jesus in luke 11 is gives us the lord's prayer we're going to pray in just a moment and if you keep reading In Luke 11, Jesus says, just ask the Father for the Holy Spirit. Just ask the Father for the Holy Spirit. Each week in this series, we have an insert, some exercises to try this week. I want to draw your attention to number one. Spend significant time in prayer this week, specifically asking for the Holy Spirit to begin working in your life and in you in a powerful way. Seek God. Make no demands. Have no expectations. Your only task is to surrender yourself, open the door so that Spirit can come in and transform you. Friends, sometimes we create barriers for the Holy Spirit. And sometimes those barriers are, well, we don't do that. Well, you can't do this because you gotta have an interpreter. And the more barriers we put between us and the Holy Spirit moving in my in our lives, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. You'll just back up and wait till the door's open. Make no demands. Have no expectations. Your only task is to surrender yourself. Open the door so the spirit can come in. Let's take just a moment. I'm just going to pray on our behalf, and I, I can't. I can't pray for you. I can pray for you, but. You need to pray for you, for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Open the door without expectations, without, without any kind of, I'm not going to let you. Holy Spirit, Jesus promised. And you have been sent. And you are just waiting for us to slow down enough, to pause long enough to stop. And for us just to say, Holy Spirit, I'm opening the door of my life. For you to come in, no expectations, no demands, I surrender myself. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. This past week, I was reflecting on our text in the sermon from last week and how we can be free from the power of sin in our lives and I wonder I wonder if week after week when we come to this time of prayer confession if you're confessing the same sin (laughs) week after week I want you to know that through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit you can be free from the power of that sin in your life pursue holiness desire God take a few moments confess your sin to the Lord there's a sin that has besieged you surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to work a transformation in your life That that sin would no longer have power over you. Experience the freedom that Christ came to give. Freedom. Power over canceled sin. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven.